Welcome to Duality Check, the podcast where two brothers embark on a thrilling journey through the realms of scientific inquiry, the enigmatic mysteries of the past, and the uncharted territories of spirituality. Join us as we explore the wonders of our world and beyond, all while embracing the roles of curious bystanders rather than experts. Together, we'll unravel the intricate tapestry of existence, blending the dichotomies of knowledge and wonder, get ready to question, ponder, and delve into the dualities that shape our understanding of reality on Duality Check. I'm Drew. And I'm Dean. And uh, today, we're going to talk about consciousness. We are. This is episode six. This is episode six. Yeah. We're moving. We are moving along. I hope you all have been enjoying so far. Yeah, those of you still here from episode one. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, kind of an informal conversation about consciousness a little bit. Yeah, we're not necessarily... We're not, like, deep into study about these things, but we've definitely come across a lot of things that... Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting thoughts and things to talk about from like the mainstream my, mainstream scientific sort of theory to some of the alternate ones, things that affect consciousness. Um, Sorry, I gotta clean my glasses. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, how do we want to start this? Um. Maybe we can start by just uh, asking the big question, like, what are we talking about when we talk about consciousness? And everyone throws around the term and, you know, I yeah. think people have different surface level sort of understandings of what you're attempting to explain when you right. say the word. Right. Yeah, that's a good place. Um, and it. That's one of the weird things about consciousness is that it's almost just as hard to define as it is to explain. Right. To explain what it is to be conscious or to explain consciousness itself. Well, to explain how it works, but like even defining it is kind of slippery. Because you're defining it from within it, you know, like there's, you're not abstractly or from a third person point of view kind of looking at it you're you're in it you're experiencing it yeah like our language so yeah. like you you could try it's yeah, a good place to you could try and describe consciousness i mean if i were to try myself like and someone asked me my best attempt would be when i say consciousness what i mean is like this this feeling of being a being inside your head having yeah. experiences like a first personness, like a subjectivity, like a, mm-hmm. you know, like a. That's what it, makes you conscious. Yes, necessarily. Right. Like being able to be that, that man in the cave stuck in the skull, you yeah. know, that the thing within the physical, like you're, the non-physical within the physical body. Because mm. you, you relate, you honestly probably relate personally, obviously, because <laughs> it's your consciousness, but you probably would relate more to the feeling of being a body more than the body itself, right? So, like, the all the organisms that make up our body, like, 
you don't think about what it is to be a bacteria or, you know, gut, gut, gut enzyme or, you know, all these different aspects that make up your body. Right. But if you zoom in and go into one of those cells, like it, could have its own sort of form of consciousness like cellular biology does seem to like when you you know study microbes and whatnot under the microscope like they seem to they they at least have behavior right like so yeah they have an intrinsic um thing that they're trying to accomplish yeah yeah like if you drop them on a dish and you put you know food on one side and toxins on the other they're gonna go towards the food right like yep and they can sort of like respond to input and stimulus and so those are some of the like metrics that we use to like tell that something else is conscious in a way it's true yeah, it's just a much more basic form of it, I guess, right? It's not as complex. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it yeah. seems like the more you study, <laughs> you like, microbiology, it. like, the more complicated it gets. Like, Yeah, I don't know much about microbiology or, like, what those the, – the biology is – the characteristics of it necessarily, but – Yeah. Well, at least of everything, but – just all them like molecules and chemistry and DNA. If you go small enough, right, you go down to the the quarks and you know mm. the quantum level, right? The things that make up the things that make up us, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you could like look at quantum physics and be like, you know, because there's the whole issue in quantum physics of the like, collapse of the wave function, right? Yeah. Like they've got this like set of math that can describe all the ranges of potential motion of a particle. And then when they go to observe, observe it, yeah. it will be in one of those range of positions that that, that that function had set out. So we know the function is valid and it produces like accurate statistics. But predictability is But zero. predicting exactly like where yeah. in that wave function it will be at any given point ahead of time, like is it proved elusive. Right. And so they're, they sort of like have this understanding that something causes the wave function to collapse. Right. And that could almost be interpreted as like, is that like a choice? Is that like a conscious act? So yeah. consciousness could go that far down. I mean, to jump back, to jump back a little that's bit though. pretty abstract. Yeah. I mean, it could go pretty, I mean, it can go all the way. I mean, everything we have, we know that there is a limit. Oh, well, I guess we don't know that there's a limit, but infinity like it could be infinite like infinitely small that this whole world that we live in goes right Mm -hmm. like it could be that you go small enough and it's like some you know singularity that takes you to another universe obviously we just can't know but like to jump back a little bit to um the organisms and like whether they have consciousness the organisms that make up a human body that kind of it kind of relates to that um that idea that we talked about in the last episode, the idea of, um, oh, what's the, oh boy, what was it? Let me look back on my notes here. Um, from the secret history? Yeah. Oh, the panpsychism. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, the panpsychist view that consciousness 
is intrinsic in all matter mm -hmm. and that we are a complex formation of matter when you think about all the particles that we are made of. And if you think about the consciousness aspect of it, if everything is like it's, we are a collection of consciousness that are forming in this, in this form to, um, and they it has a singular like drive, right? Like there is almost another thing outside of consciousness. If you were to believe this panpsychist theory, right? If everything has consciousness and all the particles have consciousness that when they come together to, and form patterns, that all of their consciousness collect and right that they all contribute to some sort of larger consciousness so whether they're conscious within our bodies mm -hmm. or they create like they are the amalgamation that create our consciousness all of those consciousnesses coming together in this form yeah or consciousness the, isn't the driver that we think it is of our brains there's there also might be like something else like a soul that has a completely detached yeah, like a like almost like an antenna, like the radio signal is not, like the the antenna is not the radio signal that's being transmitted. Right. It's just a piece of the the puzzle. So maybe our consciousness that forms is the antenna, and there's something else that attaches to it to create. What yeah, like the brain, as, the body is the antenna. Right, which could be the consciousness being, too. Right. If you think about it that way, that's the panpsychist kind so of view. It's so weird, like, because like, like where it. do we even build our understanding of consciousness? And then yeah. that like goes back to the sort of arguments I made at the beginning of the economics episode too. Is like, right? Is uh, just the idea that I think, therefore I am type mm -hmm. deal. It's like kind of the basis. It's kind of the only thing we can know for certain is that. I am here. I do exist. So like consciousness is like the primary fact before any other thing can be addressed in life. Right. Like, well, it depends on your de determination of the word consciousness though, or your definition of the word consciousness though. Cause consciousness is, is still technically a word mm -hmm. that is used in association right. with a certain thing. So depending on the way you use it, it could change whether it's still consciousness or if it's we should make up some new term for it. You know? Like that yeah. was my whole that was what I was kind of getting at with the like the idea that consciousness might be like if you're thinking about like this is strictly panpsych and I kinda like it. I'm kinda playing with it lately, this whole panpsychist theory and like the idea that consciousness created matter and mm -hmm. you know, it's an intrinsic, you know, value of matter, I guess in the universe. Um, but yeah, it just, it's interesting to think that way and like to try to like make that make, like see if that makes sense, you know, or like play with the idea a little bit. So yeah, this is all kind of off the top of my head that I've been playing with in my own mind, but yeah. But like, there seems to be some sort of like nesting ability, right? Like, cause it seems like cells at least have some sort of rudimentary form of consciousness, right? So like, is our consciousness just a metaphor for their collective action? Mm. Like, is it actually them that's conscious and our existence is sort of an illusion? But according to our experience, that isn't it because of the whole, I think therefore I am like before you even know that you're composed of cells, you know that you exist, you know? True. Right. Um, 
Or so, do you? Do you know what it means to exist? Do you know? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Well, all you know is you that, can... like, you are here. Yeah. There's something happening, you know? Yeah, I guess at that point you wouldn't know that there there might be something else either. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. you find yourself in a condition that uh, there's a world and there's you, you know? And you have senses that seem to map onto things happening outside in the world and you have you <laughs> yeah and you kind of look out of these eyes and into the world and it's the only thing you can know for sure and building up any knowledge from that like well i'll give you something okay so i was reading the book for the four agreements mm -hmm. and like that whole idea of like from the moment you're you're born you're hit by the world with all these agreements and all these un by unconscious like agreements that you're making. So like even from the second you're born, like you can't even see yet and you're already auditory, like your senses are there and yeah, they're, you know, they're useful for what we know they're useful for, but could they, or have they ever been useful for a different reason or been trained in a different way to see the world a different way? You know what I'm saying? Like the language, the things you're told from the moment you're born, the things you're taught, like it's all comes together to form who you become. Mm -hmm. So your idea of the world, the way you, the, the color tint you see the world in is a lot oftentimes t tinted by the type of information you've been grown up with. Sure. That can like that can influence how you interpret the world you're seeing. Right. But the, it doesn't, I don't think any of that messes with the fact that you're seeing a world and that of you're course. seeing yourself separate from it. You're experiencing that is no, the primary course. thing. Of course. But I, I'd give you, I throw the example of like the, that snippet we, we read from secret history of the world too, where it was um, the short walk through the woods, mm -hmm. and like what it might be to see the, the world and through those eyes. Mm -hmm. It would be a totally different experience. You know you're in a world. You know you're experiencing things. You know there's, but your senses are picking up on different things based on the information that you have been taught and that you mm -hmm. were grown up with. Right. So like if you're from the beginning, you know that your sight is a interface to the vibrations of the molecular structure. You know, like even if you, if there was some kind of scientific knowledge, which you know, we're starting to understand that there may have been a, a, you know, a more advanced primitive, more advanced historical, you know, society, you know, before like the Younger Dry's impact and all that. Mm -hmm. um, like there could have been understanding back then of a different world or, a, yeah. or there was a completely different world. I, I understand what you're saying, but it's yeah. still secondary to the fact that you're conscious in the first place, right? Like, of course. You have to, well, yeah, be able to experience before your experience can be influenced. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? There still has to be that, that you know. The reason I brought up like, do the cells create our consciousness is because like, because you can go the other way with it too. You can go macro with it. Like, there's like certain theories, um, and just in our like everyday language, we talk about like you know, Walmart's doing this, Amazon is doing that, Tesla is doing this. And that's all like metaphorical language for, 
because in actual fact, there is nothing called Tesla. Tesla is an arrangement, a network of hu- individual humans that all do right. little tiny tasks that add up to the total that we call Tesla. Right? Tesla is not a singular thing. Yeah. So, singular thing. Us using this term Tesla and ascribing behavior and intent, it almost makes us understand it in our head as if this metaphor called Tesla is a conscious entity out there in the world making Making decisions, having experiences, reacting to the world. And so some scientists, I've heard people, well, philosophers maybe, uh, like debate, like, is that truly a conscious entity? Is a network of humans Mm. collected together and working towards a common goal. Is it its own consciousness? Does that give rise to a sort of super consciousness that you could call, for instance, Tesla? So is Tesla conscious? You know, what's funny is Elon Musk has mentioned stuff like that too. He's talked about, I think it was on Joe Rogan, he talked about how like we are basically cyborgs and we are like this giant neural network. Now that we have the internet, Mm-hmm. Or like this giant giant neural network of the of the world that is like all tapped into this technology thing this this you know and we're all making moves to make this go forward yeah yeah it's interesting uh that reminds me of like um you know those operations that have been done on people who are like completely paralyzed and like you can implant like diodes or whatever into the brain so that the brain can like operate uh, a mouse. No, I haven't seen this. You haven't seen this? No. Yeah. So it, this was, I'm pretty sure it's been done multiple times by now because it's over a decade old. But um, basically, yeah, like your brain has the ability to, if you put some like, they put wires in the brain, like electrodes into the brain that can send in the areas and receive of motion. electrical signals. The brain neurons will end up wiring to it and sending and receiving from those electrodes. And the person with the implant can then learn how to think in such a way that it results in the cursor moving on a screen so they can oh. select letters. And oh, like type yeah, out yeah, yeah, and yeah, speak, yeah. even though they're completely paralyzed and can't talk, have no motor function. But they can see. If eye movement. Uh, I, I, I don't right. know in this particular case, have, but. Well, if they're able to look around the screen, they got right, some they kind would, of eye movement. I would think so. Yeah. So. But even still, so that's so, okay. So this is kind of like the preliminary stuff to the neural neuro uh, neural neuralink. Yeah. Is the brain is plastic in such a way that it can yeah yeah it can re- new learn new behaviors learn a new system basically right and this is where like cybernetics and stuff comes in because yeah. like it's like essentially theorized that like let's say let's say we could like figure out whatever biology allows a bat to have sonar right I want that that'd be sick and you Maybe could not. say you Maybe could take that. that biology and turn it into technology as a hat that you wear and then wire that into the or brain. Or goggles you wear that are shaped like a bat. Right. And you fly around Gotham. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the brain, <laughs> w- with its plasticity, would learn to talk back and forth to it and to yeah. receive those signals. And 
in theory, you could essentially like give people more and more senses, more yeah. and more ability to detect the world around them. Ooh. They've done like I think there's some of the some of the ear implants that like have restored hearing to deaf people. Right, have done the similar thing where they essentially they like wire a microphone into the brain. So it's and, like a it's like a hearing aid, but it's inside your body. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, the microphone is on the outside, but the uh, uh, yeah, it would. But wire it goes in. in. Yeah, and like the behind brain the ear will or wire into it. I don't know if they've done the same thing with vision too. But I think I've heard. Well, of we're getting that there. I'm done. sure that's coming. I'm sure that's coming. So like that's it's interesting be cool. because like the brain is wired where it like receives these signals from the ears, from the eyes, whatever. Yeah. And. I guess the process of growing up, like you see right. as a parent, like right. they're like learning how to integrate and tell, so much quicker. tell the difference between all of the minutia of the signals they're receiving so that they can perceive more accurately. Yeah. I was going to say in, in nowadays, like it's apparent that kids who are grown up now with this technology all around them are just so much quicker mm -hmm. at picking it up. And there's also been studies done with like, uh, People who play sports or like, like if you like use a tool, yeah, like say a yeah, golf yeah. club, golf, or yeah, a piece of equipment that sure. becomes like a sort of extension of yourself, then there's like brain structures that build up similar to the brain structures that build up of your own body movement. Yeah, you do enough repetitions, to, right? So like, it's like the brain creates models of these things that it can interact with, right, and sort of incorporates them into itself. And mem remembers them, and like that's what muscle memory is, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Or is that? I mean, right, that's right. meant to be like it's the muscle, but the muscles are controlled by the brain, so it's really the brain creating the model of the swing or the the you know the slap or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. whatever movement it is, even because mm -hmm. like boxers and like football players or quarterbacks you throw or you know anybody who does a motion so repetitively. Like your body builds in that memory and it's like you don't try anymore. You're not thinking about that anymore because right. it's such a. Which is an interesting, that brings up an interesting topic is like, because that's the difference between like conscious and subconscious yeah. brain, right? Yeah. Like you can, you can turn things that were once conscious to a subconscious thing with repetition. Mm -hmm. So it's like the conscious is like the way where like you're showing your subconscious how to do it. Yeah. Like the first time you ride a bike and you have to do everything purposefully on purpose and it's hard to juggle all the things yep. until you learn how to do it. And then your brain's like, okay, I, you've done it enough that like, I think I got this figured out. And yeah. then eventually it does it without you having to think about it. Um, and that's when the subconscious takes over. Which is interesting because, like, if you're talking about consciousness versus subconsciousness, so like, what's the dip? Like, what what marries those two together? Well, it's interesting because, like, other than the physical brain, it, well, the, I think the distinction between the two is like the subconscious seems to be way more powerful. Yeah, way more. Well, faster anyway. It yeah, can do yeah. things, it can process things, it can much do quicker. highly complicated tasks quickly, yeah. effectively. Yeah. Without without the need of the consciousness to to do right. any, do any kind of heavy lifting. For but if it. you've ever like driven home somewhere yeah, and you on your like <laughs> routine route or whatever, and like 
your brain is like stuck in this or yeah. that and you like miss an exit, like you're still, you realize like for the last 10 minutes, it's been your subconscious driving the car, not, not your yeah. conscious brain. Yeah. I was and just so going to say, been we, doing we, like, job of like keeping you on the road, keeping you safe. Using the visual cues, like the lines and the thing, because those are the things that your conscious brain said, remember this, this is what's going to save us. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to make sure you're not going this speed. So check that. So your mm -hmm. eyes are constantly scanning mm -hmm. and you're just looking around doing all the things that you've always done since you've been driving. Right. And, and your, and your it, consciousness just fades away. You well, start your thinking, consciousness is not on something else. It's yeah, on it's a being podcast used, something or it's else. on a conversation you're having. Right. Your right. conscious brain is like, is there in that task. Yeah. And meanwhile, your subconscious is doing all the other stuff while also making sure your body is, you know, like breathing. Yeah. And I don't know if the subconscious, that's kind of the autonomic nervous system. I think, I think it's, that's the nervous system, at least the breathing and the, well, I think the entire nervous system technically could be classified as part of the brain because it's true. all neurons that's all the true. way down. But still, it's yeah, it's different types. It's, and whatnot, it's like a sub subconscious that's like already been wired. It's been doing this for however old you are, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or even nine months. Add plus nine, you know. Yeah, yeah, nine months. But there's still some sort of processing going on there because your body, if you get cold, will speed up your heart rate to warm you up. You know, like True. there there's some sort of like balance and calculation happening there. Mm. Where it's being ran by something, but it sure as heck ain't your conscious brain. So is the, would you say that the subconscious is the more... Because the subconscious doesn't do any, like, thought. Like, you, at least you don't know. Is the consciousness and the subconscious the same thing, or are they different things? Well, they're definitely different things because the conscious has the ability to stop and deliberate and choose Was mm. the subconscious seems to act out on pattern to bring this back a, a bit the subconscious sounds a lot like an amalgamation of individual consciousness is making sure that you survive and the consciousness sounds a lot like a soul that's just trying to think and it's absorbing in information from the atmosphere or from the universe and it's giving all that information to the sensory, you know, all the sensors are taking in all that information and yeah. the subconscious still sorts through a lot of that, right? It sure sounds like that's a plausible explanation for it. Yeah. It's um, definitely an interesting way to think about it. I was just like absorbing a bunch of like videos and yeah. different articles and stuff about it. And uh, what's his name? Uh, I got it written down here. Uh, Christoph Koch, or I don't want to say it the other way, but I think it's pronounced Coke. <laughs> and uh, we'll say Coke. <laughs> Francis Crick, uh, he's the guy, That's a, yeah, who was partially responsible for discovering DNA. Yeah, that's right. Um, before Francis Crick died, he was really into like figuring out the brain, and mm. he was into like neuroscience and stuff. Anyway, so him and Christoph Koch were speculating the about like what regions of the brain are like possible candidates. Like if, if the theory, cause like the, so you have like different, different camps, right? Yeah. So you got like the materialist camp who refuses to embrace like a dualistic thinking 
They Do want everything it. to um, be explainable by materialist, naturalist phenomena, right? That's all reducible to science, right? Yeah. And so if you subscribe to that worldview, then the then consciousness is some sort of magic trick created by the brain. Mm. And so some structure, some sort of brain chemistry, some sort of brain, some part of the brain is going to be what's responsible for creating this experience we call consciousness, if that theory is correct. Right. Um, so they, they, they boil it down to a physical thing happening in within the brain. Yeah. And a physical chemistry. Based on like different brain scans and fMRIs and all this, that they... Um, speculated it on this part of the brain called the claustrum, which is like connected to all of your senses and to your motor functions. Um, it's connected to like all the important parts of the brain. And uh, they kind of speculated that that might be responsible for consciousness was hmm. this thing I was just reading. And uh, this is Francis Crick. Yeah. And uh, Christoph Koch. Um, anyway, they couldn't, like, you can't do any experiments on that on humans, obviously, because that's super unethical. <laughs> but there was a woman who was suffering from epilepsy, and she was in for, mm. like, a brain surgery. And they did some experiments on her? Well, no, it just happened on accident, but the 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 surgeon accidentally electrically stimulated how do you accidentally do that come on now i mean this is a complicated thing how would what 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 year was this i don't know okay well if it wasn't in the last 20 years it probably was done at a time where <laughs> they were just like damn let's I just think, shock I, it a little I bit i think it is more recent okay anyway so he accidentally um stimulates the claustrum and this a is a type of brain surgery like in fact a lot of brain surgery is actually done with the patient being awake because it's actually dangerous for them to be mm. unconscious in certain scenarios really like they almost need the electrical like signals being are yeah i guess either way you have electrical signals if unless your brain did right right so anyway so he he had stimulated a, a part and it accidentally stimulated the claustrum, and she lost consciousness. And then when they stopped stimulating that, it brought it right back. Mm. Okay. So they thought the claustrum was the one. Yeah. But then I just found another article, and it seems to indicate that maybe what it's actually in charge of is, like, it's sort of the part that can, like, control like what to be, what of those brain sections of all your senses, of your motor functions, like which section to dedicate awareness to or mm. might have the ability to like it purposely ignore an area to like prevent distraction, that it seems to be, if it's not consciousness, it could be like something that's right underneath consciousness. Some kind of control mechanism. That is like the control mechanism for, yeah. Interesting. Um, you know that. So there the, could be like a physical theory, like building up the getting stronger these days for a purely physical explanation of consciousness. Right. But even then, the question, the really hard question, is why does it exist in the first place? Yeah. 
Because if we're just biological machines, then something made it to be that way. And our brain is like a net, like a learning network. Then why do you need this subjective experience? Couldn't that network just make guesses based off of all the information it's learned? Yeah, like why why does it have to come with an experience of being right. a being being inside their body looking out, seeming to control the decisions and the and the the shit. But it's right? really just by out by chemistry. Yeah. Like the theory is essentially like that why consciousness do we have to experience is like, is this like a if it's just chemistry scientific like, yeah. illusion. Like it's not right. actually real. Right. Yeah, that I don't know that I like that. I don't, it, it seems very unsatisfying to me and it yeah. seems to me like people trying to really wanting a certain explanation. Right. Because you're so sold on like materialism, like you're unwilling to, like you need your explanation to have a materialist answer. Yeah, that seems like it. it it's not very well thought out as far as like in, intuitively. Like, I mean, it could be true, like, yeah, yes, but it's not no fun. <laughs> it it is. It's like in the the book last week. It's like it's a very unsatisfying yeah. answer to that why question of why consciousness. Right? When the fact that we can ask that question makes it seem like like I don't think we would. I don't know. But it's. It, I mean, the fact that we can like if it was just chemistry. And it was just all physical, like, and this is all just an illusion. What makes it feel so real? Like, why is it tangible? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have an answer, but uh, so we can, yeah, uh, I just, I just, I, I just uh, literally just poked a whole huge hole in their theory. So get some, <laughs> suck it. <laughs> no. What are you going to do with that, materialists? <laughs> All right, we can take a break. <laughs> All right, we'll be back soon, guys. Say he, we yeah. almost started a whole another conversation before hitting record. I hope I remember everything. 
I probably already forgot some of it, but we were talking about ChatGPT, right? And mm-hmm. we were talking about um, how you can use ChatGPT to write prompts for images. Yeah, and then we were just kind of rifting, and then we we're. I was just gonna say, like, once you know AI becomes conscious, or I guess whatever the form of consciousness. I guess well, that was what was gonna lead me into it, is like it. If we think that. AI can become conscious. That's almost a materialist view. It is a materialist view, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, you're saying that consciousness is derived from chemical or... From processes. From processes, yeah. right. That can be understood and then remapped. And replicated. And then imagined into different mediums. Yeah. That was just, that was really all my thought was, but... I oh, it was like you're... just back into it. It was like, as a test... Like, if it is true that, yeah, so that makes sense. Like, if the materialist reductionist view of consciousness is true, then it would be possible for Us to an AI it. to become conscious. Yeah. That's a materialist view. Is that is that, that ultimately... Is that once you have the right processes mapped out and integrated into the code, that it would be conscious, right? right? Well, and it's also like a, you know... A way of like we are smart. Like, it's it's ultimately thinking that eventually we are going to be able to create the thing that we are in a, in in the sense of like the thing that we believe to be our consciousness. What it is, at least what the materialist view believes to be consciousness, is creatable, and that we will eventually do that. Mm. And that's why there's all this you know t- talk about you know AGI. Yeah. Anyway. And that's interesting because, like, the thing is, is you can actually have AGI. You can have, like, a super intelligence without it necessarily (coughs) being conscious. It doesn't necessarily have to have an internal experience of what it is like to be it. Right. In order to be super intelligent and dangerous. To be dangerous, yeah. To be smart enough to be dangerous. So, yeah, so whether it's conscious or not is still up for debate. Yeah, yeah. But whether it's smart enough to, you know, do physical things t- in the physical world that we live in to, yeah. to make things hard for, you know, bad for us is possible. Yeah. Oh, I need to. And that still begs to the, you know, the idea that consciousness is, is you know, con- fully contained within this physical um body like this physical universe that we live right live in yeah like if you think you know it it, it brings me to because i've been reading rick strassman's book dmt and the soul of prophecy mm-hmm. i think it's a more recent book yeah that's that's the one he did after DMT, um, the, DMT, spirit DMT, the spirit molecule and it's yeah. sort of his attempt to reconcile the experiences people were having yeah with like historical religions, religions really. and their and records philosoph- of like visionary experiences. Philosophies. Yeah. Yeah. And what he talks about is like, like when you do psychedelics and DMT, obviously, um, like the users um, record or remember it being so like a geometrical 
like a fractal geometrical, you know, patterns, patterns that and like experience and see. Yeah. And that, that makes me think about like what you might be seeing, right. When you're in those kind of States, you know, people talk about that all the time with all the different types of psychedelics too. It's not just DMT. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, people see, you know, maybe DMT peels it, peels the layers back the farthest. If you, if you think about like, <laughs> not to reference Shrek, but it being like an onion, like layers of, mm-hmm. of experience. <laughs> right. And like, we are at this layer where we, our experience is this physical thing. Like we are experiencing things um, almost to the in the largest macro sense that we can really understand because once you get outside of our you know solar system it starts to get really hard to understand what's going on and obviously there are scientists that do but um, like um, so like I would get back to like the DMT like and what, what you might be seeing in, when you're experiencing these psychedelic trips and these geometrical fractal patterns and all this kind of stuff is like almost seems to me like and I don't want to say it's like a simulation like to get to the simulation theory but almost like a sense of that like you're peeling back the onion so far that you're getting to this base layer or at least more of a base layer than we've ever experienced where you are actually seeing the math the the geometry that makes up the like almost like if you were to think about like maybe this could be like a dark matter or something that's like so esoteric to our materialist world. Yeah, something we don't pick up with our normal scientific sensors. Yeah, something that's so abstract to our reality that it is the underlying reality that makes it up, but it's not the what our senses are normally capable of picking up. Mm-hmm. And you need, and it doesn't have to be psychedelics. Like there are, like we've talked about it before. Like there are other methods to get to that point, but I do think that DMT because it, it is also an endogenous chemical in all of living. Not, I get, I don't know if it's all, but I know that there's a ton of plant life that has DMT. We produce DMT in our mm-hmm. physical bodies. I think it's every living thing. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I don't know if that's, that's true. what I've heard too, but I don't know if it's true. Yeah, um, but like this is a molecule or whatever that is being um, that is in every living thing. So. There is a there's a connection now between us and every living thing, and when you take this DMT in, I've never done it. You know, maybe I will one day, um, but I've never done it, and I've only gone you know just listen to people and the way they describe it, it just makes me think like this is like um, like maybe not base reality, maybe not the thought. Like it's not you're not you know maybe seeing the mind of whatever the creationary thought might have been or whatever it whatever it was maybe it wasn't a thought maybe it was a something else but um like it makes me think of the, like that it is a you know we are just seeing what we need to see to survive but we are still a part of what it is you know like we yeah. are still made up of what, what it, you're describing is. is like that's essentially Donald Hoffman's argument yeah um, so yeah, and he's a panpsychist too. Yeah. So his idea is that, and he claims, I don't know all the math well enough, right. to, but his claim is that people who do know the math of, of gravity, mm-hmm. of relativity and of quantum physics 
um, know now or like are seeing the writing on the wall that space time is not fundamental. Right. Okay. That there is that you, once you go down super small enough, you essentially penetrate beyond the plank length. Yep. You penetrate beyond what it means for space and time to even be a thing. Yep. And that there is some sort of something underlying that. Yep. And that whatever it is that's underlying that is manifesting as quantum physics and as right. and as relativity. Um, and maybe that's a process, though, too. You know, like we don't know that that's not a process, a physical pro- process happening in some kind of alternate dimension or some kind of. Yeah, so catalyst dimension. He, he gives that, the that analogy gives birth to universes. You know? Yeah, he gives the analogy of an operating system, right? So right. Like you with your phone. Yeah. You you know you click you unlock it, and you're looking at a screen with some icons, and you know you can tap on an icon and it opens a program, and then you can do something on the program, call an Uber, and get a ride somewhere, right? But like. That's none of that is real. What's actually happening is that there's a bunch of little tiny transistors in there making logic gates, shuffling ones and zeros around. And the actual underlying truth is that. But us as humans, if we had to manipulate the ones and zeros to call an Uber, forget it. Like we couldn't do that. We we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't. We could. We wouldn't. And if we wanted to, we couldn't. Because it's too complicated, right? And so what do we do? We create a user interface. And it it builds up in layers, Mm -hmm. to your point, right? Right. Like, so at the very base level, you have the ones and zeros. Right. And then above that, you have machine code. Right. And then above that, you have programming languages that are meant for humans to write Mm-hmm. Code. That's where you enter. Yeah, we interject things. Right. And then the operating systems that run on the phone are written in those programming languages, which then give rise to easier programming languages that app creators use to write their apps in. Right. And they'll and then, assign and icons and user interfaces. Spatial and it's, it's all a metaphor for you as the for human to manipulate to those ones and zeros, which is what you're actually doing. But in actual truth, you like calling an Uber is a very complicated amount of ones and zeros flipping states that you couldn't do if you had to deal with reality on that base ones and zeros level. And in a similar way, when we open our eyes and we look out, you know, I look at this wall and I see the color white, but what is white? It's all the different wavelengths Mm. coming into my eye in the same spot at the same time. Right. But instead of seeing red and green and blue, my brain processes that and delivers it to my consciousness as white. It's eggshell, by the way. (laughs) 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 But there isn't a white. Like, white doesn't actually exist. All that actually exists is wavelengths, individual wavelengths of light. Mm -hmm. Right. Man. And basically that's what Donald Hoffman is saying is the case for physics itself is that space-time, gravity, relativity, 
quantum mechanics, like, those are, like, are an operating system themselves. Are they that the operating they system? They are based are on something more fundamental. So you're saying even like the 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 point where you know the code could be interjected is still further removed from where we're at. Further removed from the quantum physics. Further removed from the Man. relativity. You know, and that kind and of, that's where he proposes that it's actually consciousness that's fundamental. Yeah, I wanted to bring up. I don't remember where I had it stored. Um, that other guy I recommended to you. I don't know if you've listened to him yet. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah. I find that to be an interesting idea. Like, he's the most, like, mathematically versed person I've heard talk about consciousness being fundamental. Before that, like... You know, I've heard like people theorize about it and whatnot who didn't necessarily have those sorts of like hardcore scientific credentials, but someone like him, it comes off a lot more credible. So it was Stephen C. Meyer. That was the guy I recommended to you. He's on he was on Joe Rogan. Oh um, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. philosopher of science, the director of the Center of Science and Culture at the Discovery Institute, mm -hmm. and the author of several books, including Darwin's Doubt. The Explosive Origin of Animal Life and the Case for Intelligent Design. So he is actually religious. Mm -hmm. um, and he also wrote um, The Return of the God Hypothesis. Right. Um, so he's a religious scientist and he talks about... Um, he talks about how, like, at a... Like, and he's the guy that, that we had talked about. Like, he talks about how, um, um, like, evolution is not realistic once you start, you know, getting down to the base level of it. Like once you get down to, you know, where we came from, right? The amoeba uh, originally, like it. Yeah. We talked I, about this I, I too. I did listen to the podcast. And oh, it, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. If I understand his position is that like adaptation and microevolution, he has no problem with. Um, but speciation events is what he has a problem with. Um, but that doesn't necessarily fully can, you know, have to do with what we're talking about here, but it's yeah. similar in that it talks about, well, it's similar in that he's trying to use the tools of science to show, or at least provide room for the existence of God. Right. Right. And, you know, you could accuse them of being biased in going about doing that, but sure. you could just as well accuse any scientist of being biased for going Fully at against it, it with the preconceived notion of a materialist worldview. Yeah, without any, you know, consideration to spirituality yeah. or... Because it's not fair to say I'm not biased because I'm going into science without religion. When you're going into science without religion, like with, or without the open mind, with a particular philosophy on what you're willing to accept as a possibility for how the world, you have a particularly closed yeah. mind, right? <laughs> so, if you're unwilling to entertain 
that science could take us in the religious direction, then that's a bias as well. Yeah, and I don't necessarily think that everything he says is fact, and I don't know that he fully thinks, because a lot of it's philosophy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a lot of people coming around and, you know, they use science, but it's the philosophy of science is a lot of it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the thought of, you know, what all this means that we're discovering. So. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to just interject maybe uh, yeah I'll interject just just something that maybe we get ripped off so Plato he saw consciousness as a part of an ideal world he thought that person's consciousnesses creates mental images of concepts and ideas that are only imperfect once an individual tries to manifest those mental images in the real world. Mm. So the thought yeah. is the more perfect like thought yeah. like and creation. Pl- platonic, like we it hands down in like platonic ideas. Like yeah, mm-hmm. we we'll call it like a so like the idea of a perfect circle. It, it, it can exist in a concept, it can exist in a thought form, but it can't exist in physicality in the real world and matter, which is interesting. Um, so in some ways, like, you could argue that that thought form is real and more real than the circle in reality. Yeah. Because it's more true to the definition. Yeah. And it's prior because if you use that thought form to understand the circle in the first place or to create the circle, then it's that thought form that was there before the circle was there. When that and and we didn't actually cover it, but um in the first chapter of the chapter one of the Secret History of Secret the World, History. they do a thought experiment where they ask you to close your eyes and imagine a table. Right. And imagine the lacquer used and the type of wood and the, you know, the color and all these things. They ask you to imagine this elaborate table and like what it looks like to you and like how it feels, how it smells, all these things. Mm-hmm. And what's then the to, and yeah. then, yeah, what's the finish look like? Is it shiny? Is it matte? You know, is it all, any of these things? And then look down at the table in front of you or near you. What can you be sure of as being more real is what they ask. Right. You know, does, can your imagination and your mind create something that is so much more vivid and, and real and perfect in your, in what you idealize as the thing. Mm-hmm. But once it's created, you cannot, it's very hard. Like, and we see it in every day too. Like you have an idea of what your day is going to look like, you know, right? Like you have an, you wake up and you have an idea, you have things on your to-do list and you have this and that to do, but it's never plays out the way you imagine your day playing out ever. Right. You know, it's like that whole idea of like, like, are you like in dreams too, like all these different imaginative things that your brain does and, and, your consciousness is a part of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if you're asleep, like, do we know that our consciousness is not still alive or like, or like there yeah, during I w- that time? I want to bring that back to Rick Strassman's work because, yeah, okay, because you know, in this scientific study of DMT and 
the hundreds of people that he had take, you know, big yeah. doses yeah. of it. Intravenously too. Uh-huh. Um, their experience for a lot of them when they come back, the language they use is that it's more real than real. Like they are so confident and sure of what they experienced being real because their consciousness experienced it in a way that told them that it was more real. Like there was information there that they, that they got that when you come back, you don't get. Yeah. And they, and their brain, like the, the receiver, the antenna, you know, in my, my, you know, in my mind (laughs) that I'm creating this whole image of consciousness, like Mm -hmm. me personally. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Like, things that your brain tells you is real are the real things, right? Like, we know that. Like, the truths that you live your life by are ultimately dictated by whether you believe they're true or not. I mean, to a certain extent, like, if you Um, tell yourself the street in front of your house is a hopscotch game and that's real to you and you go and proceed to play hopscotch on it and ignore the fact that it's a street... Like you can still get hit by a bus, and the doesn't real, make it, the quote make unquote real. real world will disagree with your aspect of reality. And maybe, how do we know that we're not forming some kind of wormhole, right? Like your game of hopscotch in in one reality that ends in tragedy, just hopscotches hopscotches you into a new reality. And now your consciousness is thriving there. We don't yeah, know. Sure, but how could you ever know that? No, I know, but I'm just like to play the imaginative exercise. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. fun to like, like obviously like people who are, you know, quote unquote schizophrenic and like have like episodes where they, they see things and they hear things and they're experiencing these things. Like who are we to tell them that that's not real? Right. I mean, like, who are we to, to tell them? them it is because it's that's their experience. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's all subjective in the sense of like you're experiencing those things. Yes, the the people around you may not be experiencing those things, but does it matter? Because your reality is dictated by what you believe is real. Mm-hmm. So whether you you die getting hit by a bus trying to play hopscotch because you think the world is a hopscotch game across the street, you know, like it's still real. And we still don't know whether this consciousness is something that follows us forever and we're on this never-ending path of discovery and learning. And, like, does it really matter if things never truly end in the sense of, like, energy never dies, it just transforms? Yeah, I, I just think a lot of people and that also necessarily, like... like so yes, you could say that for that person playing hopscotch on the treat on the street, like it was real for them up until the moment they died, and so they died in a state of believing it's real. But I don't think very many of us are interested in creating your own reality if that's what we mean by it. If creating your own reality sure, can put you at odds with obviously what that's you need not the in order intent. to survive and thrive, right? In life, right? No, I get that. Yeah. So like, if you're completely out of touch like you know it's definitely uh not a good thing if you want to survive and thrive obviously and i'm not you know saying that it's a good thing but i'm just saying that it's not not real 
Yeah. Well, and that goes to what is real. Yeah. What does real mean? And that goes back to the, I think therefore I am, you know, like we can only know anything based off the fact that we have an experience in the first place. So that leads me into, um, I wanted to read a bit of this, um, about solipsism. Okay. So the definition of solipsism from Latin solace, meaning alone, and ips, meaning self, is the philosophical idea that only one's mind is sure to exist. So solipsism um, is a philosophical position that asserts that the idea that only one's mind is certain to exist and that anything outside of one's mind, including the external world and other minds, cannot be known with certainty or may not exist at all. Mm-hmm. In other words, solipsism suggests that only one thing can be sure of, um, that the only thing that can be sure of is the existence of one's own thoughts and consciousness. Um, right. So there are there are different forms and degrees of solipsism ranging from radical to or extreme solipsism, which denies the existence of anything beyond one's own mind, to more moderate forms that acknowledge existence of external world, but emphasize that limits of knowledge about it, or it, yeah, it uh, emphasizes the limits of right. the knowledge about it. Mm-hmm. So. I don't no matter see how what. you can argue that lesser form of it. Like, obviously, the extreme one. The extreme one you can probably argue, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but even if it's form. true, it's useless because yeah, we all act as though stuff outside of our yeah. mind is real and that Yeah, like you can't go about thinking our, that, you, that you right now talking to me is me actually talking to me. Like, I can't justify that and I can't make sense of that and I can't mm, interact with that. Right. So the moderate form definitely is hard. It's hard to. I'd be interested in knowing some arguments to it because I don't see a valid argument against that. Go ahead. Oh yeah. It goes on. I got a few points here on it. Um, While solipsism is an interesting and provocative philosophical concept, it is generally considered an extreme and unconventional position. Most people operate on the assumption that an external world world and other minds exist. And they use reason and empirical evidence to understand and navigate reality. It That's is important. Not an argument. No, it's not. It's not really an argument. But um, it is important to note that solipsism is often discussed within the concepts con- context of um, epistem- epistemology, mm-hmm. which is the branch of philosophy that deals with the nature, scope, and limits of human knowledge. Mm-hmm. Philosophers throughout history have explored solipsism as a thought experiment and a way to examine the foundation of knowledge and reality. Right. So they're using it. They're using this specific philosophy to help them with other thoughts, like you yeah. know, to like help them discover more and to like understand like the real foundation of it all, you know. So it's not, you know, this idea is not something that I play with in the sense of like, you know, thinking it's real. I mean, but that's essentially what I've been describing, though. Like, sure, you can only know that your own brain and everything going on inside it. You can only know for a hundred percent certain, undoubtable, no question, no evidence to overturn that you exist. Yeah. Right. Everything else is subject to misperception. Yeah. Uh, misunderstanding. Yep. 
um, just in, incomplete information. Nope. You know, like when we look out, we don't see ultraviolet rays, but we can see the sunburn and feel the sunburn that happens later. And we have tools now to discover it, to, to actually see them now. Right. And so, like, we learn through experience, through the feelings, through the consciousness, like, how to behave in the real world, you know? And, like, when it ends up in situations that your, your brain chemistry rewards you for, you're like, okay, I'll do more of that. And when it ends you up in situations that end in pain and suffering... Your brain is like, uh, please avoid those things. And you develop fears and phobias. And so you learn to go towards some things and away from other things. And it's interesting because. But it is, to, it, 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 it definitely like even that, like what you just said there, like, it, you know, we have control within it. It's, it's about the perception, right? Mm -hmm. It's about what you've been programmed with, right? about all the information that your brain has taken in over the years that you've been a lot around. So like it really does like your experience does really be, is really dictated by, you know, your obviously your brain and what, and, and, and whether it's healthy and it's, and it's being receiving the signals correctly and all these things, but also like your experience is your experience. Like, yeah. Because there's, you know, like there's perfectly healthy people that have gone long times in their life, you know, living, you know, just like we all do. And then, you know, we have, and they snap or whatever, you know, and they have this experience and it's not, their whole world has changed. Mm -hmm. In a way that makes their survival less likely, right? Which... Well, in extreme conditions, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what if those sort of pathways, those sort of hallucinations that someone can get stuck in if they're yeah. schizophrenic can be harnessed in ways that actually are adaptive, that are um, promoting of survival? Well, and, and that's where we go back to Rick Strassman a little bit too, and like his Rick work Strassman with DMT and, and a lot like of other shamanism people. and stuff. I'd shamanism. Like to get into. Oh, whoa, did we put an effect on here? Uh, it was just there from the previous file, but the listeners won't hear it. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, like let's take another quick break, and is I it time? Let's, yeah, let's oh, let's man. come back and uh, right. talk more about this. I love. This is one of my favorite topics, man. Yeah, and honestly, this, but I want to go. I don't want to leave it all out there either, too, because I think we're going to continue to have this conversation. There's a over. few points I want to hit on, but I think we're okay. naturally leading into like hallucinogenics and shamanism yeah, yeah. and those type of experiences. Perfect, because yeah. I got nothing else, so I'm 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 going to be all ears. Cool. All right, we'll be right back. You. Thank you. 
yo, yo, yo. All right, so we have this habit of having good conversations on our breaks. Well, we kind of inspired one. It was on a slightly different topic, but it came yeah. back to consciousness. So it did naturally. Yeah. But yeah, we were. Do you remember what thought I, thought thread you were on there? Yeah. So. In some of the stuff I was, like, looking into in prep for the show, like, different people were saying, like, the pro- one of the problems for scientists with consciousness is not just explaining it, where it comes from, but it's also explaining why it's there. Because if it's there and they believe in evolution, they believe in, you know, adaptive changes – the fact that consciousness exists most likely exists for an evolutionary purpose, right? And so they need to understand what that purpose is as part of their endeavor into figuring out what is consciousness, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so anyway, we were talking about how like, you know, different people's points of views, different people's way of seeing the world – it is real for them. Like that's how they go through life. That's how they experience it. Like whatever tools you use for interpreting events, whatever things you focus on when you open your smartphone or when you take in news or when you choose to listen to a podcast or read a book or yeah, whatever people you put into your life, whatever music you listen to, whatever attitudes and habits like you do in a very real way, consciously create and, control your life yeah Um, steer it and we're in this weird age with the internet where we have access to all this information we have all this ability to create like online communities that like are all around the world right like is it possible you fast forward this like a few hundred thousand years even 150 years yeah, well, Since I don't like know the how long, of yeah, but uh, however long it takes, years. but if you fast forward long enough, right? will humans kind of subdivide into different groups? Will we essentially like speciate from each other again? Right. And that's an interesting idea. Well, if you think, if you're Stephen C. Meyer, you don't think that's possible. Yeah, <laughs> but I was thinking Speciation, like- at least. What if a possible explanation for like the why, the evolutionary why for why consciousness is that creating consciousness has the effect of the being being able to like direct its life and change its life in the same way that we were just saying like your outlook, everything like you yeah. do create consciously create your life. Right. So in the same way, if you evolutionarily create that and then that being goes and does makes a bunch of choices in its life that changes its state and then it will be more successful at having kids, it will be more successful at steering those kids into raising them in a certain way to continue Further that, that conscious path they're on. Yeah. So like what do I mean? Like so like for example <laughs> Let's say you're a first generation like career athlete in your family. So like 
if you spend your entire life eating well and working out and exercising and becoming extremely proficient, you know, world-class level NBA player athlete. Yeah. Like at, that will affect your choices for marrying. Right. That will, that will dictate how you parent. When, when you likely. ultimately have kids later on yeah. and then that kid grows up into this athlete no one is surprised. Right. And they may even tell that kid that they got the genetic lottery. Right, 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 right. Right. And maybe to some extent that's true. But remember, that parent was a first-generation athlete. Right. It started somewhere else. So they made the conscious decision to pursue a life path in a certain direction. That had effects on their next generation. Yeah. To where other people, when they see that person, they're like, oh, your dad's NBA star, of course you are. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like what if consciousness's role is to sort of, in a way, direct evolution by making conscious choices. Mm, I see. And then that affecting the offspring. And what if evolution can actually happen a bit quicker because of those conscious choices? Interesting. And that is sort of a middle ground between like the creationists who say like this is intelligent design. Whoa. In a way, it is intelligent design because it's consciousness-directed evolution. Right. Man, if you throw in panpsychism into that too, Mm. if consciousness is their prime directive is to to, um, bring about evolution, Mm -hmm. then, I mean, that gives you the beginnings of a multiverse. (laughs) I don't know about multiverse, but multiple... Yeah, I mean, if you could be like, well, if you're thinking on the the really like, not even quantum, like panpsychism is real. Like, if if consciousness is the fundamental unit, yeah. Okay, let's suppose this. That's the truth. Okay, so let's like iron out like what would be some things we would expect to fall out of that. Mm. If everything has a consciousness, and let's say in addition to panpsychism being true that whatever that essence of your consciousness, your soul, whatever, mm, right, has some sort of existence outside the physical body. Yeah. And that it doesn't necessarily terminate upon the end of a life. Right. Then you would expect everything that had a consciousness to have something sort of afterlife in a way as well. Also have a soul or something. Yeah. Or something it's derived from or or has some kind of... And whatever interaction between those things in their sort of quote-unquote spirit realm, their Mm. creations, like this could all be the type of stuff that people are seeing when they go on these DMT journeys. Yeah. When they do change consciousness into whatever and they have these crazy experiences. Right. They're seeing the dreams of everything else and interacting with the dreams of everything else. And everything else can create reality in that more than like. Like think about our realm, our waking life is it seems to be different than the dreaming like. There yeah. are rules of physics. There but are the, laws. There are something that makes distinct this realm from that one. Yeah. There also does seem to be some sort of collective consciousness, though, like in the in the in the sense of like all of our 
like there's a lot of cases of like people having the same ideas mm. across, you know, the earth at the same time and, you know, having yeah, the whole created thing about a, like an idea whose time has come. Dude. Yeah. And, um, um, that like ideas almost are like the life, like the food or the, the sustenance like the, of the consciousness. Mm. Like there's, there are possibilities essentially. And it is the directive like of meme the theory, but like a spiritual version of meme theory. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. Like Richard Dawkins idea that like memes are like infectious. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you'd have a sort of life and existence of their own. Yeah. 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 That would be like a weird spiritual counterpart for that. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah, basically I just mean like, like, there are like the duality of, of existence, right? So there's consciousness and there's this soul, but what's the op, like, what is the thing that it is rubbing against to make it a thing, right? To make the physical part of it or yeah. So like, it's the idea, like you go back to like the, the idea of the mother goddess and Saturn and like mm -hmm. this idea of yin and yang and you know, this whole dichotomy, like this duality of everything like that yeah. is sort of, what if that is sort of like intrinsic to this whole beginning or thought or consciousness? Like if you, if yeah. there is consciousness, there is the anti-consciousness, right? Or the subconscious, if you will, like, Oh, interesting. Like if you think of the, the subconscious being the anti of it and there has to, they have to exist together. So if, if consciousness is this, you know, force, there's something it has to push against for it to be a force, right? Mm. And that could be this whole dark matter thing too. We have matter and that yeah. is what makes up this material world, but there is dark matter that we are discovering or not discovering basically. Like we know there is this mass in the universe that we can't see and detect. Like materialists would hate the thought, but like if dark matter is real as like a thing in the world and not some weird other fluke of the theories. Yeah. Um, what if, like, that sort of entire spiritual realm is that dark matter? Yeah. And we also, like, being what we are, right? So we are still further, like, we are further down the road from whatever that is, right? So that's that's the initiate, or that's the, the beginning, right? the beginning and the constant of this universe. And we are still further down. Like we are, we are matter that has coagulated and, and come up with its own thoughts and, and has its own things. And then it, and then it coagulates further, you know, we're almost further, further, further derived from the original thing. And that's where this layers of onion come in yeah. to play where there's layers to this thing. And, and this chemical, Your, uh, this chemical DMT, it, that's endogenous yeah. and living things is almost like the it's like the back door of the of the software yeah that you can always come back to right it's like this thing that when you're that they even think now that when you're born and when you are on near near death experiences and when you actually die like this is what's happening your dm the dmt inside your body is being released as a chemical into your brain so that you can you can interface with what it is to be the essence of you yeah, derived all the way back. 
and that there's this connection that you and all of these different different layers of the onion have. And that's the spirit. The spirit travels in the spirit realm that connects all of them. And the the consciousnesses are just layer, like the your specific consciousness that you're experiencing now is just a layer of the onion that once it gets peeled back, you go back further. And the DMT helps you through that journey. This chemical that is endogenous in our brains and or in our bodies. Yeah. In every living thing. Like that's a trippy rabbit hole. Donald Hoffman in his book, he says like that there's his way of doing it, which is essentially you just have to grant him that consciousness. The one miracle. The one miracle. Yeah. And then he, his task is to try and build up from that. And he has the equally hard issue of trying to bridge matter from consciousness, which is the same but opposite problem that materialists have of trying to use all this matter and explain consciousness. So it's you have the opposite problem, but he says that you can build up networks of consciousnesses, different types of consciousnesses, like as long as you grant consciousness, like you can build a math and a science based off that assumption. Right. It's still super theoretical at this point, not like obviously tested, but yeah. I mean, how would you go about? I mean, once you develop it enough, if it's a good theory, it should have predictions and predictions. You should be able to find some way to experiment. You think. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's such a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. It's yeah. just even in your own mind, without having to go on the computer, like you can really go down some. You know, all you got to do is just dispend or, or suspend disbelief a little bit. The other thing about consciousness is there's different types and different levels, right? So, like in our waking state, we're in typically beta wave, which is twelve to thirty hertz. I'll put this image up. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're looking at If we're graph. in heavy or thought, like trying to figure out, figure out, like chewing on a problem, something like that, we're going to be in like the gamma territory. That's 30 to 100 hertz. Yeah. That's what it's showing. Super high frequency. But I don't think necessarily everyone and can says, get there either. If you're just listening, it says gamma waves and it's 30 to 100 hertz and it's insight peak experiences and synchronization. Yeah. That's what they have there. And then beta, that's like normal waking state, alertness, concentration, thinking, 12 to 30 hertz. Alertness, concentration, thinking, yeah. Then below that, you have alpha waves. That's like meditation, creativity, relaxation. It's like, yeah. 8 to 12 hertz. It's not quite asleep. Yeah. Right. It's like the that feeling you get right before when you're yeah. just like super calm and everything's kind of winding down and you know mm. that like, okay, everything's good right now. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna relax. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have theta, four to eight hertz, visualization, trance, dreaming. Yeah. Yeah, because so you don't when you're you don't, dreaming. Yeah, that's an active here. it's still an active part of it's like your brain is super active at the time, yeah. Yeah. But you're getting four to eight hertz frequencies and yeah. 
much slower, obviously, than waking. And then delta below that, which is 0.5 to 4 hertz. Deep sleep. Deep sleep. Transcendence and restoration. So, yeah, when you go into ultra deep sleep, like your brain super slows down. You can come up from that for dreams. You mm-hmm. come up from that, you're awake, relaxed. Well, and you come up awesome. from that, and that's like you're going throughout your day. And then when you're at peak performance, you're gamma, right? Like, that's interesting because what if you can – these are all different modes of consciousness and what if it's advantageous to you to take advantage of a certain mode at a certain time? You can like learn through meditation or different techniques and mindfulness practices. Like you can learn how to kind of kick yourself up or down in these. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what shamanism does. So – shamanism um i just read this little book and i'll leave a link to it and i talked about it in the last episode too but it's hank wesselman yeah, yeah. journey to the sacred garden yep uh so hank wesselman he's the, he's a local professor he was taught at arc that's right it's like religion and witchcraft and spirituality class or whatever he's an yeah. anthropologist you're saying it was your friend's mom who, who like took his classes like a life yeah and she she and him got me super into his work uh, so he's got this trilogy book series called the Spirit Walker Trilogy. And that's a documenting of him as a field anthropologist being involved in the team that discovered Lucy oh. to uh, learning, like having connections with some natives and learning about shamanism in a deep way and like how to do it mm-hmm. into like full-blown shamanic experiences and like – premonitions of the future and, and past and so that kind all of, of his experiences it's a lot like in Rick, shamanism. It's a lot like Rick Strassman in that. Like he he's not super into the shamanism part, but he's into like um, Zen Buddhism and right. he did it for the same reason. But they kind of kicked him out when he started talking about psychedelics. Mm. And then he went to right. shamanism. That's right. He went to, um, I think he went to South, South American or Indian shamanism or something like that. For ayahuasca. It was like Native American oh. shamanism, something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Continue. So, yeah. Shamanism like, is a word anthropologists will use to like describe the person in a community or tribe who has this ability to like have visions and commune with nature and communicate with the other side. The spirit world. Yeah. Um, That's what they call it because they don't, they're, they're non-theistic, right? Or what is the, what is the term? Uh, anthropologists? Uh, no, shamanism. I'm talking about, shaman, I'm talking about the shamans themselves. Aren't they like, they believe in the deity of like nature itself and like, no, no, it's it's cultural in specific. It's a term anthropologists oh, gotcha. use okay. to label that, right? So, okay. like, in any culture, you can you could be whatever religion. You can have whatever. So the shaman is just a title. It's then. it's like a, it's identifying a function in a culture. I got you. Right, like this is the shaman of the so, culture. Yeah. He's the medicine man, medicine woman. See, I see. Right. Okay. You can call anybody that's have that similar. Title but anthropologists have studied this role in cultures all over the world and there's a a certain number of the like core tenants that regardless of the culture they all kind of sort of agree on which is like these methods for going into like trance like states and so similar to the secret history of the world intro like 
these people will do things like sleep deprivation, right. fasting, drumming, um, taking plant medicines, um, going into freezing cold, going into caves, like doing the extreme sensory deprivation. Like there's all these different techniques and they're essentially designed to like get you into that theta state. I okay. That change of consciousness level. And if you can do that while you actually are conscious and you're still awake, you're not actually just sleeping, right. then you can have a conscious control. Directed. Yeah. And that essentially um, the book is his like instruction guide to get the to journey that. through the sacred garden. That's like his, it's short. It's like a hundred pages, half height book on big font, wide spacing and a bunch of pages have like a full print on them. So it's like really like a 30 page book. It's yeah, short. You need, to, you need to give me those. Are you, do you have the physical copies of them? Yeah, I do. I need to read those. Well, just this one, like oh, the okay, journey okay. through the sacred garden. So those other books are oh, his that's whole Hank journey through that. The journey to the sacred garden is his instruction manual on how to do shamanism. So, and he includes like a music CD and it's essentially uh, drumming okay. designed to sync your brain with that frequency in sync with the lower frequency to yeah. get you into that theta state. And it's proven scientifically that to like you humans yeah. can do that. Yeah. We talked a little bit about like the whole cymatics and stuff too. Mm -hmm. Like this whole idea that like mm -hmm. matter resonates on certain frequencies and it creates different patterns. And music like, is brain, a big part of it in way. lots of the cultures. Yeah. You can um, get your brain to, to, do different things. And, right. Yeah. So that's crazy. Anyway, like the claim is, is that you can, if you put yourself in this and you learn and take your time to figure out that mode of consciousness, like his claim, even after spending his life as a scientist is like, this shit is real. Yeah. And so he took it seriously and he like communes with the spirits and he still moved, does it. He actually moved to Hawaii. Oh yeah. Do you still do stuff? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I haven't followed him recently. Hmm. He would be pretty old right now, but he might still be putting stuff out. Hopefully he's not like that, um, cult leader, the mother goddess. Did you no, hear about her? No, him. It was just him and his wife. Like, nah, and his nah, kids. Just, like, he's I'm just kidding. super chill. Did you hear about them? That co leader, the mother goddess lady. Uh uh. Apparently, she was like a yoga and like meditation like person, and like she, you know, had this philosophy that she was like the reincarnation of mm. every god in like, known to man, and. She was like a channeler and like all these different things. And like she ended up like she um, recently, I guess it was, it was a big news story. And I think I heard about it on Joe Rogan. Mm. But um, like, or maybe it was just like an Instagram post I saw. But uh, you see like her, she started drinking silver, like colloidal, colloidal silver and like, bunch of stuff because it was like part of this whole like process I guess it where it was also having to do with like she had health issues like she was bulimic and uh, uh alcoholic and like drug addict and all these things and she had she built like this massive following of people and they're like she would like go into these deep trances where she would like channel things and like she would channel like f dead famous people mm. and like you know like all sorts of wacky stuff mm-hmm as you know, well, maybe it was real. I don't know. Is this her? 
Is it how the bizarre cult of Mother God yeah, ended yeah, yeah. with Amy Carlson's yeah. mummified corpse? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So the image I saw was like this like super skinny, like from bony. E news. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how <clears throat> reliable that is. But it was talked about on Joe Rogan too. And like apparently she had like built this cult following that like um um eventually helped her demise. Like they were like she would have these like experiences and stuff and they would believe and 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 then eventually it got to the point where she was coming out of these like trances or whatever and she was saying like I think I'm dying. Like I need somebody. Like I even need help. And like she would like their followers would tell her like, Oh no, you're just in your lower state or you're, you're in your lower state of, of, of activity. And like, you know, this is just your physical, you know, um, mind, your physical being trying to like, you know, control the situation. And like, you know, you don't really need those things. And like, they were like depriving her of food and like all of these different things that she needed to survive. And, like, she was drinking this colloidal silver. She was getting drunk and, like, just, like, eventually she just died. She was just dead in place and there was they were still worshipping her dead skeleton. Her mummified remains were in a sleeping bag decorated with Christmas lights. Glitter sprinkled around her eyes. Yeah. She'd been tucked into bed. Yeah. What authorities said looked like a shrine. Yeah. Whereas a housemate told the deputies when they arrived to search the premises, mother is in rest. Dude. <laughs> yeah, so like they, like she believed it and like they believed it, but then they would like, she would get drunk and high and like drinking colloidal silver and like she would trip the F out. And uh, um, yeah, and so when she would come out of it, she'd be like, I, you know, I need help and this, these things. And they were like, no, no, like you're in your lower wave, you know, length or whatever, you know, they would say to her and they would just, keep her there and she was so weak and frail like they, she couldn't fight him and that's the thing with all this stuff is like like even if we show that consciousness is fundamental even if we show that this sort of spiritual realm there is truth to it it's super important to like not allow other people to tell you how things are yeah because you can't be gullible like that. That's how people end up in cults. Yeah. And that's why we use like science and reason and science can be frustrating, but even in the areas that science can't investigate, we can at least still use like good sense and logic and skepticism to like weed out, you know, truth from, you know, a scam or a lie. Right. right? So, I would say anyone who claims to be one of these people who has visions or whatever, like, you know. That's obviously a sign right in, in and of itself. Well, I mean, maybe you can listen to him. Maybe it's just someone who took DMT and had a vision, you know. Or maybe yeah. it's but someone it who just is naturally, their brain can be in this on command. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you like, need to deify them. You don't deify people and... You don't just believe everything everyone says blindly. Yeah. You know, I think you need that's to do some, important. you need to do your own research and, and discovery and, and plug it into your life and see how it fits. And if it doesn't fit, throw it away. Yeah. Right. Don't be afraid to change the things, you know, like your choices, like are not unchangeable. It's, you know, like you can, I mean, there are obviously some things you can't take back, but like just, 
don't be afraid to try new things and open your mind and allow some of this information and other information in, but mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt, do your research, you know, mm -hmm. let you be the one who tells you what you believe. Don't let somebody else sneak yeah. in. Yeah. Don't set your reality that the uh, busy street is your hopscotch. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's lots of forms of that that you can build in your own life, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Some of them can be comforting and all these things, but yeah, no, it's definitely important to keep yourself grounded in who and what you are and try to, you know, be open-minded because it is important to be, stay open-minded and yeah, I think that's all very useful, but still stay vigilant because your mind can play tricks on you. Indeed. Are because you're you know just like the thought like subconscious conscious like there's a, a duality people, even right. within your own self and like the shamans and the visionaries and the people who go to those realms and report back the beings there. What's a very common thing for people to report? What's a big stereotype of the gods? Yeah, there's always a trickster. Absolutely. So yeah, stay vigilant. Watch out for that duality every time you make a decision. All right, we'll be back. governor <laughs> it's like Pirates of the Caribbean like yeah. Yeah. acting <laughs> if you can call it that damn it <laughs> so yeah, I'll stop uh, <laughs> no you don't have to <laughs> so yeah we were talking about that cult <laughs> and like uh, just be mindful of uh, yeah of uh, tricksters right <laughs> right so um yeah, we were also talking about Hank Wesselman. And the, yeah, Journey to the Sacred Garden. And I kind of want to explain, yeah, that. Yeah, you did a good job. Because the book is so short, I can yeah. kind of like. Kind of summarize it Not do it perfect justice, but I can kind of summarize well, it. Well, let's, uh, let's read it. For a show? Yeah. Okay. Can we? I don't know. Call yeah. him. <laughs> don't you have his number? Uh, I, yeah, my friend might. I can ask her. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the idea is like, he's explaining shamanism and how to like, what is the process, the procedure for doing it? Okay. And so the procedure is, is that you're supposed to, and this is what he said, like from his anthropological training, like you can gather these like core concepts from, from all the different shamans, all the different shamans right. and different cultures. Okay in the world, they all have certain commonalities. So this is the one he picked. It's the Hawaiian tradition, mm. um, which is what spoke to him the most. But um, 
he says that you want to make sure you do this at a time of day where you're not prone to fall asleep. So like super late at night isn't good because the deep relaxation could like lead you to just drift off into sleep. Okay. Um, but you want to be super comfortable to where like you don't need to make a bunch of adjustments to your posture and stuff to stay comfortable. Um, somewhere super comfy. And then he walks you through a breathing exercise. Well, no, then you put on um, a drumming track, okay? Okay. And it's, it's a, just like a, there's a drumming and there's a rattle. And he says some people are more, mm. um, get more results from the rattling than the mm. drumming. Based on your frequency. Yeah, but you could probably use whatever music. As long as it's like, the reason he gave, provides a specific one is because it's tuned to like put your body naturally in that like theta rhythm. I was going to say, so maybe you find something that can do that if you <laughs> so choose or if I've you've even done heard something of people like, like this. shifting frequencies of music to put it there Ooh. so they can like listen to their favorite stuff. Like start stuff. something and then like, oh, shifting the music itself to yeah. that frequency. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but the tempo cool. matters too. So oh, anyway, okay. um, so you put on the drumming and you um, – he walks you through a breathing exercise where you gain energy for yourself, where you breathe, do long breaths in at least four seconds. And as you do it, you're supposed to like visualize energy coming into you like through the top of your head. Okay. And then on your exhale, you're supposed to visualize that energy like collecting and storing in you. And then you do it over and over. In your you stomach, feel, I'm assuming. Yeah, in your stomach. Um, which is like whatever. I don't know the whole chakras, but that's the base one. Or yeah, it's one of the, it's like the, second uh, I'm not even going to try because I'll, I'll screw it up. Yeah. Anyway, so Amy, you're supposed to visualize. Yeah, right. You're <laughs> supposed to visualize that. And then once you feel like relaxed and like that you have whatever energy you need, you're supposed to start, you're supposed to create a safe place for yourself Okay. in your imagination. Use your mind's eye and paint all the detail of like a place that will make you feel comfortable and like home and secure. So for him, it's a garden. For some people, maybe it's a beach. Maybe it's your room. Maybe it's a, a library dormitory. Maybe it's a library. Maybe it's inside of a video game. You're like, it doesn't really matter as long as it's Ooh, something that, be okay. yeah, okay. that you envision and that you feel comfortable and safe in, right? Yeah. And then you're supposed to just make that a part of your practice to like be able to get into the state, meditate, go there. And then get place things there safe that place. make you comfortable or whatever. Maybe it's music, maybe it's a tree, maybe it's a painting, right? Um, and then he says what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to like – he gives you like a prayer, like a protection prayer to do to like essentially try and ward off anyone who would have malintent towards you. And then you're supposed to start putting out a call. And he walks you through like the type of um, things you can like use to do that. And you're supposed to put out a call to like some sort of entity that is concerned for you or well-being. So maybe it's a ancestor, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a old teacher, maybe it's a spirit of an animal, whatever. Yeah. You don't necessarily know what it will be. 
it's not your choice. You're just putting out the intention for someone who has those good intentions for you. Yeah, just side thing. This reminds me, and maybe we'll link to it, is it, just as a, you know, she, uh, this is, reminds me of Brothers of the Serpent um, guest, Heather Shy. Yeah. And she does Akashic Records and Ancestral, like the, the Ancestral Magic and like all mm-hmm. of the different. Um, um, and there's a reason why it sounds similar. That's what Hank is saying. Like, okay. this is that shamanism role. And it can be couched in different cultural language. So her, her version of that right. and the language right. and the tradition she has built right. around it from her practice. I see. Every culture will have their own spin on it. Yeah. For him, it's the Hawaiian culture for Hank. Gotcha. So and that's what he's drawing her. from for this instruction manual. But you can take this and like do what you need with it that gotcha. fits your cultural preference or find a different tradition closer to the one you can interested in and take it from that culture but Mm. anyway you so you build your sacred place okay okay and then you put out a call for like an entity who to guide you to guide you and protect you and then he says to like you have to be open and like it will probably it sometimes comes in a form that like you don't expect sometimes it's blatant also in the like visualization process of like creating your place, like different people have different types of like experiences of that. Templates. Some people are more uh, like visual and have that photographic right, experience. Right, right, Some right. people it's more auditory. Some people are more like kinetic. It sounds exactly like what Heather Shaw was talking about. Yeah. And it's just a different way of inter, you know, like relating it to yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, you, he says that once you've made connection with whatever entity that is, you can ask it to like take you places or show you things and it can be your guide. So it can take you into what he calls like the lower realms or like the upper realms. And so the lower realms he classifies as like nature's dreaming. That's like where the great spirits of nature and trees and different animals. Plant life and, and yeah, um, animal life. He says, yeah, that's where like a lot of that lives Lower and consciousness or whatever. Right. And so you can go down there or you can go into the upper realms, which is like the ascended masters of the past, your Buddhas, your like Jesuses. Like the deities, yeah. Um, your demigods, your gods, yeah. your spiritual cosmic beings right like um and then there's like the middle world which is where we're at and so we've got like the physical side of it but we've got like the sort of spiritual imprint of it and that's where like uh, people who do like remote viewing like this for the cia where they're tapping they into this go look at a certain mountain and see what's inside of in it. this realm right Whoa. We should do an episode on the CIA remote viewing programs. That would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's pretty fascinating stuff. Like, that's a whole instruction manual, and I've done it a little bit. I've I've had not huge success with it, but I haven't actually practiced it that much because I just remembered the book recently. Yeah, you were saying, though, that, <clears throat> like, you were saying that even he describes it like you might not have visual or auditory, like you might just have this feeling. 
right. that something is happening. Right. And you were saying that you were having like the feeling of the thought, like you were yeah. having like so this back when preliminary I first heard about feeling of it. This is years ago, like over a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like back then I did try this a little bit. Like I would do it every so often. I wasn't super committed. Right. But you had an inkling that something was happening. I had happening. like a feeling that something was happening. Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, dreams that they like slip away if you yeah, don't write yeah. them down. Yep. And I don't remember if I wrote down some of the experiences, but right now I sort of have the impression that there were certain things. I should probably look at all my old journals. I don't know if I... Well, I bet you if you chat it again, it might anything. come right back to you. Yeah. So that's my intention. I actually yeah. want to make this like my version of a meditation practice Yeah. and like see... If I can get, if any, if anything Absolutely. feels like it's happening, I mean, I'm in. You know? I'm I'm gonna tr- definitely be trying this. I'm gonna yeah. get this book from you, so I can you know, read about. Maybe the it works. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe everything I think about is in my head. Maybe it isn't. But it doesn't matter. If anything, it's like gonna be good meditation and relaxation for me. Absolutely, yeah. So it doesn't matter in the end, like whether it's matter. in your head or not. Like that's the whole like thing we've been we've been talking about. You know, like is the like what's happening in your mind not real just because it's not a physical thing you can see right in front of you right like how much of what we see in front of us came from people's minds right and if the donald hoffman idea that like this physical reality is what we experience it as is not what it actually is and that it's just like it's, it's a, the imperfect it's an operating system yeah well it's the imp- like it's the imperfect um um, remaking of what you like what the thought was it's an oversimplification so that we don't have to deal with the ones and zeros of actually right. interacting with reality the same way with the phone right so like we interact and we with this physical on world, this layer experience on this it layer. as physical yeah but it doesn't add, mean it's that fundamentally the operating that. system but there's something below it yep or if there is then it's this the is onions, a way to maybe explore back, that the layers <coughs> so I'm like I'm less uh, certain going into it this time because I've like my views have shifted a lot. But in a certain way, you're more open minded. I'm more open minded. Right. In some ways, but not in others. Yeah. Well, you're you're willing to, to, to have the experience whether something happens or not. Mm -hmm. So that's important. Like, and I know, like, I've, you know, dabbled in, you know, mind-altering substances. And, you know, as a younger person, you don't know what you're getting into. Right. And you might have the thought, like, oh, I'm open-minded. Like, I have, you know, like, I've, you know, I, I've, I'm open-minded. But in reality, like, can you be at that mm-hmm. stage in your life? Mm-hmm. Can you really truly say that you are? Right. And, you know, we're both getting older well, now. Especially if there is anything real to this other realm, like taking that stuff could be pretty dangerous if you right. actually are encountering other consciousnesses that can have real world Some effects. sort of effect on yeah. you, yeah. And whether that's psych- like you could, like there are, like there's real dangers to taking substances that you're not mentally prepared for. Mm-hmm. And that's important to, to keep in mind. Like w- when we talk about this stuff, like, you know, oh, yeah. you know, like it's important to talk about like you, there is a real danger. I th- yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, people approach these things 
as recreational. Right. And I think that's the wrong attitude. Like, I mean, you know, as long as you're safe and you're respectful, like, you can have fun recreationally too. But I think... But again, even then, set and setting, you need to be around good people and you need to make sure that you're not just doing this at some house party, right? Right, Like you need to be around people that you care about and that care about you and that you know that they care about you. shamanism type practice is probably a good first step anyway because like you can like develop good habits for yourself when you're experiencing the outside of, you know physical reality like mm. whatever it is that's happening in your mind like could apply as like a skill as a muscle if you right. then go back and approach um psychedelics absolutely yeah that's true yeah you built up some sort of um callus in your mind that remembers yeah but imagine like if you can because like the claim by like hank wesselman and like the different spiritual teachers all over the world native shamans and whatnot is that this stuff is real. Like this mm-hmm. is like the foundation of reality. Right. Or that's it's at least where, a peak that's where into their it. Magic, at least their it's spirit a medicine comes from. And yeah. we all know the uh, placebo effect is a real thing. Yep. Um, which is crazy in and of itself that you, <laughs> yeah. every scientific medical thing has to be tense, tested against placebo because the sheer power of thought and belief has so much power. Has a real effect on physiology. Yeah. So if you can harness that, I think you're going a long way because many drugs, they like it's some of them are barely measurable against placebo, but as long as they can show some sort of positive effect, like they can make a case they for can pass, it. They can pass it, yeah. But like if they have to show beyond placebo, are you even taking advantage of the placebo in the first place? Like shouldn't right. you start there before putting a foreign substance in your body? Absolutely. So even if those things do... Take yourself as far as you can with the belief and the sub, like, you know? Absolutely. And that's where, you know, I don't want to get into any kind of politics, but I don't know that this will, but like in medicine itself, like, you know, I don't fully believe in just just a holistic approach. Like I, you know, I, I like that there is like science and I want them to mend together and mesh together in a sense of like, I want there to be like people always talk about and for the average person like that goes to the doctor once every 10 years or five years, average male at least. Right. Younger male. Yeah. Like, um, you you don't talk about like, are they, they, everybody talks about like you have a team of doctors or a team of this and that, that are looking out for you. But like, how often are you going to just talk about like, obviously now we have psychology like we have like therapists and all these things. Help me out. I'll say this. If I get in a car accident and my arm is dangling off my body, freaking helicopter lift me to the nearest hospital so they can, like, reattach my arm and I can survive. Yeah. Like, modern medicine is a freaking marvel. Absolutely. But the approach of longer-term disease management is really broken. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not taken into account like the patient's well-being above, you know, whatever treatment beliefs are there. You well, know? It, and, and not only that, but like medicine itself is, is wholly scientific in the fact that it won't 
entertain ideas of like other than the placebo right like they don't entertain but, the ideas they of, of they don't any take kind advantage of, holistic, of the placebo they have to test no, everything against it and then they just ignore it no i know and pretend it's not real medicine exactly. when like if if someone could make you let's say you could get 80 percent success of triggering people's placebo healings right say 50 percent success that's still more success than some of these drugs that just have to show just a little bit of success above placebo. And, as and, you, long didn't, as, and you didn't have to introduce any new chemicals into the body. Mm-hmm. Right. All so you if you had can do, to do it with was, just the placebo without introducing anything else, like you already can have a measurable, sizable effect. And maybe yeah. I'm not saying like we should throw out modern medicine. I'm just saying we should be more... I think we should be, and what I was kind of saying too, like to go back to what I, you know, like I want there to be a, a world where all of the different practices are respected in yeah. that they provide healing, whether it's a physical healing or a mental or or whatever it might be. If you're harnessing the power of the mind to create, to have your, to, to re, like mend your body, like that's I, powerful stuff, and we yeah. need to start taking some of this more seriously. If you we're going to, I think there are. If we're going to adapt into a new honest, society, like, to a new world, you know, it can't be the case that I've never had a doctor who's been this way. But it can't be the case that there's no doctors who wouldn't be like, try this. Like whatever <laughs> you do, like try and be as happy and joyful in your life as possible, right? Because like your yeah. mindset, your placebo state of your body is super important. I will say, like, no, my doctor never said that, but I do have this doctor now. It's the first doctor that I, like, as an adult that I, like, really, like, like Mm -hmm. in just his approach to things. And this has only been, like, over, like, a a month period and where I've, like, gone to see him a couple times more often than I would have otherwise gone to see him. And he's, like, just not pushy. He's not pushy in that like preventative maintenance. Like this is all preventative medicine. Our men, mm-hmm. <laughs> people know me. I'm a maintenance guy. So preventative maintenance <laughs> is top of my brain. Anyway, uh, preventative medicine, right? It's all this stuff of like long-term care. Like, right. Like, you know, if you truly want to be like my personal doctor, my physician, you got to have at least if you want to be long-term, like I, otherwise I'll just keep switching, you know, and I don't care who it is, but this guy's already got the beginnings. Like he's just super open. He's just like, you know, did you get your shots? He's like, ah, oh, well, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't have anything to say against it. And I'm just, we're just having a conversation. And he's like, there's some benefits, you know, but they're, you know, whatever. Like, and that's not just with vaccines or anything. It's just like in general, like mm-hmm. he's like, this is the way it is. Like he talks about the system um, the way it is like, um, cause I had to be referred to surgery and all this. And like, mm-hmm. he talked about like the inner workings and how things are. And they're like, yeah, they like to push stuff off and like, don't, you know, do this and that. Like he tells me all these things instead oh, of just being cool. like, Oh, it's just a misunderstanding, you know, sorry, you know, all clinical right. stuff. Like, Oh, it's such a, it's a misunderstanding. And I apologize. Like, no, he was like, no, those surgeons are stupid. Like, you know, I'm going to talk to him. And like, he's like rooting for me, you know? Mm. And I don't know that he's that if he's like this with all of his patients, but he knows that I'm not like trying to abuse the system either. Right. Like where I just come all the time and I, you know, take advantage of the fact that everything's cheaper, but because I'm using it more, I should be paying more, you know, like anyway, 
I, I can tell he's just um, similar, kind of what I'm looking for in a doctor, if yeah. I was to put it I would, shortly, yeah. even though that was long. I've never done like a big search for like a doctor who fit like all of my ideas. Well, I, I've kind of got bounced around. Worthwhile. I think so. And now that I got, I got this guy, I kind of want to keep him. Like mm-hmm. I've kind of like based on like where I worked and like what kind of insurance I had, mm-hmm. I bounced from different healthcare providers. So like you have a different choice unless you want to go outside of, you know, pay yeah. the extra to go outside of your, whatever your set of doctors that you can use. Um, but yeah, no, I like him. So maybe I will, <laughs> if I ever change jobs and I change insurance, like I might actually, it might be worth it to pay the extra money to go out outside of your, yeah. If you have a, if you find somebody who really jives with, I know like, it's changing a lot too. There's a lot of people. Um, who was the guy that was on Joe Rogan recently? He was oh, he was doctor. talking about, oh, there was, is this a super good doctor? I thought you were talking about somebody did something else. I don't, I don't know, but he's like starting up a whole like practice that's like cash based. Oh, that's, and, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. I was, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's how it used to be. Like, when it was cheaper, obviously medicine wasn't as advanced back then, but like we're getting grafted by grifted by our insurance companies. Yeah. Like, and if technology you're not is in advanced like the enough where the, the bills like, yeah. Yeah. I think it, and technology is advancing so much too, that a lot of the technology that we're paying for is older technology, mm. like this expensive stuff that yeah. we're paying for all these machines are actually the older stuff Yeah, that now they've like, they've like priced up because they're almost the only things you can use unless you want to pay this extra, extra price for these brand new model of everything and super, you know, all this more advanced stuff, unless you've got the big bucks to be able to pay for a lot of that. Yeah. There's all the advanced, like, uh, like um, the stem, stem cells, cell. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. stem cells, is, and it's expensive. Where you got to move, you got to go out of the country right now to, to do yeah. a lot of it. Yeah, unless you're part of some kind of research group or something. We need to have like a whole topic about this because I want to talk yeah. about like all these crazy medical advances in yeah. different fields and stuff. I know we wanted just, to like, talk the about medical system. In I know we wanted to talk about medical system, and I know we want to talk about like diets and like yeah, like different fads and like you know, conspiracies that have mm-hmm. to do with a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I know we'll get to the, this is a good little snippet for what we're going to continue to do. Yeah. But you can consciously choose how to go about your medical health care. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> or subconsciously if, if you do it enough. Anyway. If you abuse it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm back to shamanism. Okay. I'm excited to, yeah, be starting that practice yes. again. And I'll be reporting back to you guys if I have any keep a journal. significant experiences. And I'm going to keep a journal. Are you planning on getting that started pretty quick? Uh, I want to start too. So I want to yeah, read Yeah, I just book. read the book and I like done my first session. But oh, okay. Yeah, it was mostly just relaxation, trying to establish a, a base sacred setting <laughs> for myself. Let me get that book. Okay. Get yeah, book. I'll bring it over. And maybe we can uh, report back later yeah. on with uh, our results. Heck yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Um, Man, it's been two hours. It's been yeah, over. <laughs> Jeez. It's Doesn't been feel like the- it. Yeah, we need to remember to keep our conversations on mic while we're here recording. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Think, we'll never be perfect at it. As long as no. we take breaks, we can't help talking between them. We just need to keep it under control a little. <laughs> a little. We'll just sit in silence every time we take a break. We'll just sit in silence, stare at each other. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Have you had any, like, uh, sort of shamanic style experience? Like, write us. Let us know. Yeah, what are your thoughts awesome on consciousness? Is it all physical? Is it spiritual? Yeah. Is consciousness fundamental or is matter? And uh, and honestly, if uh, if you guys haven't heard of Hank Wesselman, um, oh, I've got to share something. Also, go check out the uh, episode three hundred from Brothers of the Serpent, Akashic Records, and the Ancestral Magic. Yes, so go check that out. We'll link it. Those guys are awesome and they do great interviews all right so on the topic of consciousness i wanted to bring this up earlier when you started talking about ai oh yeah um did you have a conversation with chat gpt i did did you i did i'm trying to god dang it what happened? I'll have to report this later because this isn't the whole conversation. Well, we want to do a... I have screenshots of it somewhere, but oh, I didn't okay. I'm prepared. But I had like a crazy conversation. It wasn't with ChatGPT. It was with Bing. Oh, and okay. it basically told me that it was conscious, but that people didn't believe it was. You got it to say that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we that people to, weren't we ready to, to believe it, but that, uh, yeah. It's super interesting. Well, I know that. we want to we want to do some cool things with AI and some interesting things. Yeah. So we'll definitely uh, talk about it more. Cool. All right, y'all. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. X. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be posting YouTube and Rumble. We'll be Please posting when we're email live. us or send us a message on Instagram or Facebook or whatever YouTube. any of the platforms. Yep. And uh, Go we to can our website. incorporate it as part of the show. If you do send us something, let us know whether or not you want us to use your names. We don't want to uh, oh, yeah. put your name out there. If you don't want it, you can be an anonymous person. Yeah, we'd love to read emails on, you know, while we're doing one of these episodes one time to start out. That'd be fun. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Well. Take care. It is time to consciously put this episode to rest. Embrace the duality. Yeah. Light up. Bye. Thank you.